So, man, I'm super excited, and some of you guys heard the news right before we left to go to camp and all this kind of stuff, but my beautiful wife, Megan, is pregnant, and uh, that's right, we think it's mine, and, uh, no, I'm just kidding, and, uh, and uh, she went to the doctor yesterday, and uh, she's 17 and a half weeks or so along, and, uh, and everything's looking good. And uh, so, and then on August the 21st here in a couple weeks, we find out if it's a boy or a girl. And, um, and so we, we, I don't know, and she doesn't know, we don't have a clue, but, um, but apparently some people in here think that they know. So, uh, so if you think, if you think it's a girl, if you think it's a girl, let me hear you. If you think it might be a girl, let me, if you think it's a boy, where you, (laughs) if you could give two craps, you could care less. Yeah, that's right. You're like, he looks like he might eat me, so I'll keep my mouth shut. Anyways, well, um, well, listen, man, uh, one thing that was kind of a common theme for camp this year was this idea of surrender, this idea of surrendering our lives to Jesus, to giving it all over to him. And here's the reality. The reality is for each and every one of us in this room, we have to make a decision in our life what we are going to surrender ourselves to, what we're going to surrender our time to, what we're going to surrender uh, the, th- the choices and, th- and stuff that we make to, and whether we're going to surrender our life to Christ or not. And so I realize that there are many people in this room from different backgrounds, different walks of life, different uh, levels of spiritual journeys, and different places on your spiritual journey. And I want you to know that our, our goal, our, our, um, our mission here in our high school ministry is for you to be able to experience the power of a relationship with Jesus Christ. To surrender your life to Him so that your life will be changed forever. Because our lives have been changed forever. And let me tell you something. Those stories that were just told in this tub right now, like those are real life change stories. They're, they're new creations in Christ. Things are different about them now. I mean, do you think that Andy could have orchestrated the events that caused him to get a check the day after he found out he couldn't pay for camp for the exact amount that camp cost? Bro, that's God. That's God. And I can give you an example after example after example where God intervenes supernaturally into the natural. God intervenes and he handles situations so that he can draw ourselves to him. And we would not have got to experience that story tonight if God hadn't intervened. Because he would not have went to camp. His life would not have been changed. And I think about Taylor Hicks and her friends who said she's been praying for her for two years. Praying for her for two years. Listen, prayer works. Here's the reality people that are in this room right now, man, you have friends praying for you. You have family members praying for you. You have people praying for you. My grandmother prayed for me every single day. And when I gave my life to Christ when I was 17 years old, she was one of the first people I called. She was so excited. She cried. She says, I've been praying for you every single day that you would see the light. That God would open your eyes. That you would stop destroying your life with the stupid choices that you were making. And man, God opened my eyes, and my life was changed forever. And man, I want to tell you that as we head off into this next chapter this year, when school starts up next week, I'm here to tell you that I believe that God has an unbelievable plan for this high school ministry, and for your school, and for your friends. (coughs) And I'm going to ask you now to begin plowing with prayer to begin seeking God's face for what he's going to do in your life personally and what he's going to do in this ministry corporately. 
And I cannot wait to see what he does. I mean, you think about it, next week we could have close to 100 new people pouring into this room next week alone, just from the freshmen coming in. And as school begins to start, as school begins to go, as you guys begin to take on mission to reach your campuses, to reach your school, to tell your friends about Christ, man, there's no telling what God's going to do in this place. It is going to be incredible. In fact, I am already talking about and trying to figure out what the heck we're going to do when we don't have enough room in this place for us to meet anymore because we're slammed wall to wall. You know what I'm saying? It's coming. It's coming. I mean, the room's half filled right now, and it's the week before school starts, and we know that the week before school starts, everybody's on vacation, half our people aren't here tonight, and then we got all the freshmen coming next week. Bro, you better strap on your boots because it is about to come, you know what I'm saying? You better get ready, you know? So get fired up because it's about to be an incredible fall, and I want us to be seeking God's face on what he would have to do. And let me tell you something, that starts in our lives personally. A move of God starts in our lives personally. And I want to tell you a story that we, that we covered at camp. <coughs> I thought it would be cool to go back and touch on a story that, that was preached on at camp. And it's in, uh, it's in John chapter 12. And uh, this is the story of, uh, of when Mary washes Jesus' feet with her hair. Now, I want to read this story, too. We got it up here on the screen, and uh, so you can follow along on the screen. Um, so, uh, so, um, so here we go. Let's read it. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus has raised from the dead. Now, just before this, right before this uh, story happens, shortly before this, um, Lazarus has passed away. He's been placed in the tomb and left for dead. Jesus then comes into town days later. He's been in the tomb, and he tells them, roll the stone away. They're like, man, we can't roll the stone away. If we roll the stone away, he's going to be stinking in there. And he says, roll the stone away. He rolled, they roll the stone away. Jesus says, come out, Lazarus, who had been dead, who has been in the tomb for days, comes out alive. And he says, unwrap his burial clothes, leave his burial clothes behind. They leave his burial clothes behind, and everyone is celebrating. Everyone is in awe of what Jesus has done. And so now... the. There's a party that is being thrown here, and we see this. So let's, let's keep going. And he says, here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Mary served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as the keeper of the money bag, he was used to helping himself to what was put in it. <coughs> Notice Jesus' response. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came. Not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus. Notice there were people here at this party that were coming to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests uh, made a plan to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were now coming over to Jesus and believing in him. 
Let's pray. Father, I just want to pray over this scripture tonight. I pray over this story. I pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you would challenge us uh, with your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to notice what's going on in this passage. We see this at the end of the passage. Says, Some people are coming to the party to see Lazarus. Here's the reality. Every time Jesus is going places, there's a crowd gathering. People are coming around. Jesus was a attracted people to himself. He attracted people who were far from God. He attracted people who were religious. He attracted people of all walks of life to himself. And now there's this party that's being thrown, and the interesting thing about it is, and I love this about Jesus, dude, Jesus is always where the party's at. Jesus loves to party. In fact, read through the New Testament, man, Jesus is always at a party. The first miracle Jesus does is he turns water to wine. Where at? At a party. He's always partying. I love that about Jesus. In fact, I love to party myself. Any other people like to party in the house? <laughs> turn up, turn up. And... uh I like to party myself. That is why. That is why we're going to start a series next week called Obscurity. And uh, and when we get through that uh, get through that series, that series is going to end in our back to school bash. And we're going to have just an unbelievable blowout. We're going to have so many people. We're not even going to meet in this room. We're going to meet in the main room over there because we know we're going to fill the place up. And then after we have that, the series we're going to do after that is going to be called the Party. And it's going to be a four week series called a party which is going to end on the last week with a red carpet event black tie event where we're going to have a massive party with hors d'oeuvres and food and everything it's going to be sick nasty i'm just telling you strap on your boots because it's coming <laughs> but jesus loves to party now here's the interesting thing about it when we look at this party what's going on here is that there are different people at this party See, Jesus is at the party, but there are people that are distracted by other things that are going on. See, there are people at the party that are there talking to Lazarus. I mean, can you imagine they're asking Lazarus, like, hey, bro, what was it like being dead for a couple days, man? Like, did you see, like, shiny things? And, like, was, like, there's this big white thing? Or did, did you see God? Like, did you see angels? Like, what did you see? I mean, people are interested in Lazarus. They're, like, touching him, like, making sure he's still alive, you know, putting their fingers in his ear. I don't know what they were doing, but there were people there that were concerned about Lazarus. They wanted to know what was going on here with Lazarus. Then there was Martha. Martha and Mary, who were, who were hosting this shindig at their house, and Martha is over here, and she is, you know, she's worried about, you know, serving the people and making sure the, the food's ready and making sure everything's around. And there are people concerned with making sure that, that the hospitality is taken care of. There's Judas that's there. He's one of the disciples. And he's concerned with, he's concerned with how much this thing's going to cost. He's concerned with the money. He's concerned with other things. And here's the reality. What we see in this story is, is we see that, that Jesus is in the midst of this room, yet the only person who seems to notice Jesus as the focal point of the room is Mary. See, this party wasn't so much for Lazarus who has been raised from the dead. This party was more for Jesus who made it possible for someone to be raised from the dead. Lazarus made it possible for new life, or Jesus made it possible for new life to happen. And Mary understood this. And so we see Mary down at the feet of Jesus. Her attention was completely on Jesus. Let me, let me just pause here before we go any further. This is so important for you to get. As high school is about to start back next week, you need to know there's going to be a lot of distractions that are going to come in. A lot of distractions are going to try to creep into your life and distract you away from keeping Jesus as the focal point of your life. See, they were still around Jesus. You can be around Jesus and he not have your attention. Was that not the testimony of a lot of people we heard from camp? Man, I've been going to church. 
I've been going to youth group. Man, I know about Jesus. I've been around Jesus. But when it comes to actually him being the focus of our life, he is not that. But Mary understood this. And you got to be careful because distractions are coming. The distractions of relationships are coming. Friendships. The distractions of, of your agenda for this next year of your high school. Seniors that are rising in, let me just tell you, there's going to be distractions being a senior. We got to finish. We got to hang out with our friends. We got to do all this stuff. We got all these parties. We got senior this and senior that. There's distractions that are coming. Distractions with your schoolwork. Distractions with sports. Distractions with all these things creep in. And let me tell you something. If you're not careful, you can allow all these distractions in your life to divide your attention from your one true love. To divide your attention away from Jesus. And Mary understood this. And I want to paint this picture for you. I want you to see the scene. I want to put you into the moment of what's going on. Because this is so critical for you to get. <laughs> They're reclining at the table. So at this point, they're already starting the meal. No one has washed the people's feet around the table. Now let me just tell you, for the people who are more wealthy during this day, they would have a slave. They would typically be at the door with a basin of water and a towel. And they would wash the people's feet when they came in. The reason they would wash their feet is because their feet would be disgusting from the dusty roads that they would be walking on, the muddy roads that they would be walking on. I mean, they didn't have paved roads and all that sidewalks and all the things that we have today. I mean, animals would be walking up and down the streets, and of course the animals defecate on the street. And so there's, you know, that kind of, you're dodging turds everywhere you go, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and sometimes, you know, as good as dodging you are, you might. And so anyway, so when they come into a home, a lot of times a wealthy home, they would, they would have a slave that would sit at the door. Now let me tell you something. This was, this was considered so low, so demeaning of a task, that to a Jewish person, they would not even allow a Jewish slave to participate in this. They would have to hire a Gentile slave because they believed that this task was so demeaning that not even a Jewish slave would be allowed to wash someone's feet. This is the reason Jesus, this is the reason Peter objects to Jesus when Jesus comes around the table later on and he begins to wash the disciples' feet and he gets to Jesus, or he get, Jesus gets to Peter. Peter's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus is like, listen, unless I wash your feet, you have no part in me. Peter is objecting because Peter knows what this means. Hold on a second. You are my Lord. You are my king. There is no way I'm going to allow you to wash my feet. And Jesus is telling us and showing us that even as our Lord and king, he came not to be served but to serve. See, the greatest leader that ever walked the face of the earth, Jesus, understood and shows us as an example that, that we, when we place ourselves at the feet of other people and serve them, that other people then allow us to have influence in their life. If you want to see a move happen in your school, a move happen in your family, a move happen in your life, let me tell you where that starts. That starts with you being on your knees, being kind to other people, serving other people, being compassionate to other people, showing them the love of Christ that is in you. <coughs> so... Not only that, but then let me tell you what Mary does. Mary gets down to wash Jesus' feet. And the Bible tells us 
that she lets down her hair. Now, for a woman to let down her hair during this time in Palestine was really scandalous. The reason it was scandalous is because the women that would let down their hair were women for hire or prostitutes. And so when Mary would have let down her hair in this home, like there would have been a gasp in the room. People would have been freaking out, like, what are you doing? She didn't care. She didn't care what anybody else thought. She didn't care about her reputation because her attention was on Jesus. She was not distracted by anything else that was going on in the room. Her focus was on him and him alone. And then, instead of taking out a towel and a basin of water to wash Jesus' feet, she takes a pint of pure nard. An extremely expensive fragrance, a burial fragrance that was typically used when someone would die. And here's the interesting thing about it. The Bible tells us <coughs> that this was a, would have been worth a year's wages. This was a lot of money. A year's wages was, doesn't mean that she saved up for this for a year. Think about if you had to raise your dad's salary and you had to raise it and put it somewhere in a year. How long would it take you to do that? Because you have to buy food, you have to buy clothes, you have to buy gas, you have to pay your mortgage, you have to pay your car payment, all those kind of things. I mean, this would have taken years and years for her to say this. The most valuable possession, no doubt, in her home. She gets down on her hands and knees and she pours this pint of pure nard on his feet. And she begins to wash his, his feet with her hair. His dusty, crusty feet. Jesus had crusty feet, I'm sure. I mean, can you imagine? Listen. That is surrender. That is surrender. See, there are a few things that, that Mary gives us an example of here that we can see, that we can, we can actually uh, uh, glean some insight into. <clears throat> and something that I think that is really important for us to notice uh, about surrender is that, and I, I wrote about five things down here I want to give you real quick. The first one is this, is that she placed her reputation on the line. Let me tell you something, there is no such thing as surrender apart from you laying your reputation on the line. Because the whole idea of surrender is, is that you are leaving yourself behind and you are laying yourself down at the feet of Jesus. You are giving it all over. There is, there is nothing left. And so she placed her reputation on the line. She didn't care what anybody else thought. Let me tell you something, when you go to school next week... You are going to have this moment, this temptation to begin building your reputation. And when Jesus comes in the way of your reputation, you are going to have to make a decision to follow him or reject him. To follow him or to give in to temptation. And I'm telling you, that temptation is going to come. You know what's going to come. It comes every single year. And so I want to challenge you up front to make a decision now that like Mary, you are willing to put your reputation on the line. You don't care what anybody else thinks. You don't care who is judging you. You don't care who is talking to you. You could care less. You're willing to put your reputation on the line. In fact, I say this. I say 
that if, if it meant that next week you would be the most popular person in your school, if you follow Jesus, would it be worth it? If it meant that you would be the most unpopular person in your school tomorrow, if it meant you found Jesus, would it be worth it? If the answer to that question is no, you're not ready to surrender. Because, see, in surrender, our reputation is put on the line. In fact, Adrian Dupree says this, you must have a reaction to Jesus that shows no concern for your reputation. Because what happens is you can't build your kingdom, you can't worry about yourself and your life and all these things over here and be building up your reputation, yet Christ be made king in your life. That's the reason John the Baptist says that he must increase and we must decrease. And if you're going to have influence in your school, if we're going to see God do in your school and in your life what I believe God is calling us to this fall, you have to get this. You have to be willing to lay your reputation down on the line for him. The second thing. She faced ridicule and was rebuked. <coughs> she faced ridicule and was rebuked. Think about this. She's down at the feet of Jesus. They are over here. Judas is over here talking to Jesus here. Like, what are you doing? What is she doing, Jesus? She is putting all this money in here. This money should have been given to the poor. He is rebuking her and ridiculing her. Now, let me tell you something. If she's at the feet of Jesus, he is talking to Jesus in this small room. Then she heard everything that he was saying. It's not like Judas pulled Jesus aside and was like, hey, Jesus, man, this girl, man, what's wrong with her? I mean, it wasn't like that. It was right in an earshot of her. She could hear what was going on. She was being ridiculed and rebuked right there in front of Jesus. The interesting thing about it is, is that she's being ridiculed and rebuked by people who follow Jesus. Hey, let me tell you something. When you decide that you're going to give it all for Jesus and you're going after him, let me tell you something. You're not just going to face potentially ridicule from people who are far from God, but you may also face some ridicule from people who are in the church, who are straddling the fence. And I want to challenge you. Say, I don't care, man. My life isn't theirs. I don't care what they think. My life is Jesus's. And whatever he calls me to, that's what I'm going to do. I'm surrendered. I think, I think it's cool what Jesus says. They're sitting here rebuking her. And notice the words of Jesus. He says three words. He says, he says leave her alone. Leave her alone. You know what's cool? That when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, we don't have to defend ourselves anymore because he defends us on our behalf. Isn't that cool? Listen, I, some of you need to hear this tonight because I know some of you guys, going back to school is a, is a daunting task because you know that the bully that makes fun of you and picks on you is going to come back into the scene. And you need to know that if you're a child of God, he defends you and he is saying, leave him alone. Leave her alone. Maybe there's a relationship that you can't seem to break free from and this person just keeps coming around and keeps coming around and keeps coming around and Jesus is saying, I got your back. Leave her alone. Leave him alone. Whatever situation that you are dealing with, you need to know that Jesus is there to defend you and he is saying to anything that is a step in your way, anything the enemy wants to throw at you, leave him, leave her alone. Every temptation the enemy places in your way every time he tries to knock you down and he will because the Bible tells us the thief comes to steal to kill and destroy 
Jesus says, leave them alone. He's my child. She's my daughter. You have no place in here. The third thing. She was willing to give the most valuable thing in her life <coughs> for someone worth it. Listen, she gave this most valuable thing a year's wages. I mean, she gave this incredibly expensive thing because she saw that Jesus was worth it. She wasn't thinking about how much this cost. She wasn't thinking about it. She was thinking about Jesus. She wasn't considering the cost of what she had to give up because the cost of what she was gaining by having Jesus in relationship with him was far greater than anything. That's the reason Jesus even talks about the kingdom of heaven. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in a field. A man went out and he found it. He went and sold everything that he had, came back and bought the field so that he could have the treasure. Because the treasure of the kingdom of heaven, the treasure of Jesus, far outweighs anything else in our lives. Let me tell you something. What is your faith costing you? What is your faith costing you? See, I think sometimes we think that we can just live our lives and go by everything as a routine that we normally go about. And our life is never going to be affected by the fact that we have a relationship with Christ. <coughs> Let me just say this. Every single area of my life is affected because I have a relationship with Jesus. See, I think for some of us in this room, we have dreams. We have plans. We have ideas. And we want to hang on to those things. And so we're at school pursuing these dreams and these plans and these ideas. And God is saying, listen, I have so much more for you. My dreams are bigger than your dreams. My plans for you are greater than your plans. I have all this for you. I love you so much. I have all of this for you. But you are not willing to surrender these things over here. And so you will never be able to enjoy the fruit of all these plans and dreams that I have for you. But because you won't lay down your dreams and plans, you'll never be able to experience the fullness of what God dreams and plans for you. And there are so many things that I can go on with this. But what is your faith costing you? It may cost you a relationship. It may cost you a relationship with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Because you know that is not honoring to God. It's going physically where you know it shouldn't go. He doesn't love Jesus and you think that you're going to change him and you're not. Because the only one who can change him is Jesus. It may cost you. But let me tell you something. And she, she, Mary knew this. It's so worth it. The value of knowing Jesus and having a relationship with Him and enjoying His presence and feeling that joy of serving Him and worshiping Him and honoring Him and every decision that we make is so worth it. And finally, or next, fourth. <laughs> she was motivated by thanksgiving. She was motivated by thanksgiving. What was her motivation? Why did she get down on her knees? Why did she begin to wash feet? Because she was thanking him. This was a, an act of thanks. Surrender is an act of thanks. It's an act of thanksgiving. 
And he's just saying to him, God, I thank you so much. Thank you so much for saving me from my sins. God, thank you so much for rescuing me. God, thank you so much for, for dying on the cross for me. God, thank you so much for, for everything that you've done for me. God, I am nothing apart from you. Thank you so much for giving me new life. It is an act of thanks. And she understood this. She's down in Jesus' feet. She's like, Jesus, thank you for giving my brother new life. Jesus, thank you for allowing me to have new life in you. Jesus, this is, this is why I'm doing this. Because I want to thank you. See, I think a lot of times in our response to surrender, it's like, man, I feel like I have to do this, or I'm supposed to do this, or this is the, the good thing to do, versus it being out of gratitude and thanks for who he is. And fifth, and finally, everyone in the house experienced her act of surrender. In, in, in the passage here, it says this, the house was filled with the fragrance. <coughs> think about this for a minute. She pours this pint of pure nard out on Jesus' feet. The fragrance of this fills the entire house. Every person in this house smells it. Their attention is on the center of the room where Jesus is and where she is. Every person in this room experienced this act. This act of surrender. Here's a question I want to close with tonight. If you've surrendered your life to Christ, who is experiencing your act of surrender? Who is being influenced because of what God is doing in your life? I mean, this is powerful. When we talk about going back to school next week, and I'm super excited about it, what I'm excited about is the fact that all these people that are going to be around you are going to be influenced by the power of God living in you because of the way you serve them, because of your kindness, because of the glow, the difference that is about you because of the new life you have in Christ. So I want to ask you guys that. I want you to think about that as you go back to school next week. I want you to be thinking about who is experiencing, who is experiencing God's love through me? Who is experiencing God's grace through me, God's kindness through me? And I want you to begin praying for 10 people that you want to invite to the back to school bash here in about four weeks. I mean, we are serious about this. And I'm pumped. I've already been working on my message for it. It's going to be an awesome, incredible night. We've got, we've got Jared Hall, a magician, that's going to be here. It's going to be in, incredible. We've got a DJ that's going to be here. It's going to be insane. We've got all kinds of giveaways and stuff like that that we're, that we're working on right now. Uh, and, you know, and whoever brings the most friends, we've got, we got something big we're working on to give away for that. I mean, we've got all kinds of stuff that we're working on tonight. And it's going to be an exciting night. It's going to be a fun night. It's going to be an incredible night. And, and, uh, but here's the deal. Make no mistake about it. The point and purpose of that night, the focus of that night is for people to come to know Jesus. This back to school bash is far less for you and more for your friends who are far from God, more for your friends that you go to school with. And so I want to ask you to begin praying for about 10 people that you're going to be inviting, that you're going to ask God to begin opening their, eye, their eyes to and opening their ears to your invi invitation to come on that night.
And we're going to be praying that God does something unbelievable that night. But let me tell you something. If people don't experience the kindness of Jesus in your life and the grace of Jesus in your life, then when you invite them, they're going to say no. There's got to be something that makes them want to consider the invitation that you were giving them. So I want to challenge you tonight to take that to heart. So Father, tonight I want to pray for these students. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much, God, for just this example that Mary gives us. Of someone who's willing just to get on on her hands and knees and to wash her feet. To give her full attention to you, Lord. And God, I know the distractions are going to come from every corner next week. God, I just ask, Lord, that you give these students strength. That you just build around them the accountability that they need. God, that they would get in your word. That they would be, that they would be focused on you in every way. And God, I pray, Lord, that they wouldn't be influenced in the other direction. But God, that they would be influencing people towards you. God, give them strength. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.